0: a series right now that we're doing called Learning to Love Like Jesus, and um, it's been uh, good for me. Week one, we talked about uh, the need for community, Um, how Jesus, one of the ways he came was to express and show, and Jesus was normal. He went from house to house, breaking bread with people, eating food. And having community, and, uh, and that's really one of the ways he developed relationships was just eating with people. Man, if you're going to grow, have people in your life. Uh, the world we live in right now is isolation, isolation, isolation in, in television, and it's like that's not where we develop, that's not what we dream about. We dream of having fun, laughing, loving, doing good stuff. People, you need them. They're kind of a big deal for you. God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Week two, uh, we talked about generosity and uh, how radical Jesus was in his giving to the point where he abandoned his home to live a life that was going to put other people first, which was why he saw such crazy miracles in his life. Because he lived in such a way that he abandoned himself to put other people first. And that's the definition of love, right? You can, you, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And, uh, and so we're, we, we believe in radical generosity as a church. And so this week, uh, we're going we're gonna to flip the script. And uh, this was not intended to be in this series, but God started putting some stuff on my heart. And um, so I started asking the staff, um, hey, guys, what if we did this instead of this or this instead of this? And I kind of hid this in there because I didn't want to preach the sermon, but I felt like God was putting it on me. And they agreed, and so I, um, I, I uh, with frustration, I'm having to bring something to you that is very weighing, it weighs a lot on me. So I spent a lot of time um, crying today and, uh, in, and in deep prayer today to really a message that I think is pretty difficult. Uh, but some of you are going to be like, yeah, got that. Uh, some of you, uh, this is going to be on your toes, so you may want to tuck them in a little bit today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 starts off, uh, you know, it's the love chapter. It's, it's the chapter that grandma has in her bathroom when you're going to the, you know, you, you read it in there, you know, it says, love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it, isn't, it doesn't boast, it isn't self-seeking, it isn't rude, it doesn't easily angered. you know, all these good things. And, and then uh, verse, verse uh, 7, it says this, it says, it always protects, love always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, but love always protects. I think we could probably preach on any one of these words Love is patient, that's something that our whole generation could probably, yep, check, don't have that, need to love more like Jesus. Uh, love is kind, yeah, I could probably do that, but there is something that's weighing on me, I think, that, is, that has become a hazard to the body of Christ, to the church at large, and, uh, and I feel like today uh, I, I need to understand that in some ways being unloving um, has, has created danger that's making it more difficult for people to find Christ. And, uh, and so what we're going on today is the word, it, it, always, love always protects. Love always protects. Love always protects until it doesn't, right? Until you have a friend or you're married and, uh, that person is a big fat jerk and they need to know until, you know, they need to know what's going on because they are wrong. Uh. But the Bible says that love always protects. Learning to love like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, Jesus, help. Amen. If you're new here, um, I can, uh, I can uh, be weird, but I think the tone today that I'm going to have may be a little bit more... Um, less passionate than I always am. I can be kind of weird and, and crazy, and I think today you're going to see a subdued version of me because I, um, it's, I've cried a lot today, and so I have that, I have that like somber spirit today. I'm going to uh, give to you a lot of verses today, and so if you, uh, if you like researching the Bible, I want to make sure that you understand that nothing that I'm saying you should believe unless you read it yourself. Listen, there are so many folks out there that are just being told what to believe. Please research these things. Please research these things. Please research Stephen Furtick and all the other 85 podcasts that you listen to this week. Don't take what they're saying as the gospel. Read it. So today, uh, we're going to break down a lot of verses. um, But what I find is uh, Jesus, he would give multiple parables uh, to try to be a symbol of something that Jesus has seen. You understand that Jesus is God, and He left heaven to come to earth to reveal to us what His perspective has been. And, uh, and what I mean by that is, um, He sees things that we don't see that's happening, and things that have maybe gone wrong. And so I don't know, as a parent, there are some times where I can watch uh, my children fighting, and both of them are right, and both of them are wrong at the same time and so it's funny because sometimes when you have a larger perspective of really what's happening you really want to give the vantage point and explain hey guys this is this is out of order this is not what I'm trying to say and so I'm going to take you through multiple passages today the first is going to start off in the story of of what that we call the prodigal son and uh, it's found in the gospel of Luke chapter 15 and uh, the story would, would sound something like this. There was a, a man who, who owned a lot of uh, property, and he had two sons. One son decided one day that he was old enough and wanted to go live life on his own, and he asked his father for his inheritance and went out to live life to the fullest. He spent all that money on, on pleasures of the world, and uh, he gambled, lost, sold everything that he had, and one day he was absolutely broke, and he realized Man, I am not living life the way I thought it was supposed to go. How did I get here? I got to go home. He decided to go back to, to his dad. And his dad, who knew that his son wasted everything that he's worked hard for his son to possess, he lost it all. His father loved his son. He loved his son. And it was his father's desire that his son would only ever just come back home to the way that his father planned it. His father loved him. For God so loved the world. It's crazy how much God has for the people of this world, how much God loves you. Well, in this story, his father is seen standing at like the doorpost of his house waiting for his son. And I don't know if that's where he prayed or what, but it, you got a sense that on a daily basis, his dad would go to this place to wait and hope that his son would return. His son did return. His father was excited about it, threw a jacket around him, threw rings on his called all the servants in, said, we're going to celebrate my son is home. I have wanted to see him forever. Let's celebrate. Let's eat together. Let's feast. I love food, you know. Anytime we're going to celebrate something, daggone it, there's going to be food involved, you know. And his father says, let's kill the fatted calf. That'd be the party I want to be at right there. And so he celebrated his son with a big feast in front of all of everyone and said, man, look, I am so grateful my son's home. I say all that to say this. The story picks up in the next verse in, uh, in verse 28, and it says this, the older brother, though, who was home the whole time, became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so that I can celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property, with prostitutes comes home, you kill a fatted calf for him. Can you hear the arrows that he's throwing at him? He's, it's personal. This kid is a piece of, you know, he's a jerk and blah, blah, blah. And he, Dad, this is not acceptable. I have been faithful. I got to tell you, I can see his perspective. And I can see his perspective in our church today. In the body of Christ, I can hear some of you praying these prayers. Oh God, but I've been faithful. Where's mine? God, I've tithed. Where's mine? God, I have sowed. I have worked. I have obeyed. I have done. But where is mine? God, this isn't fair. Why him? Because that guy hasn't been nearly as good as I have. And the Father, you want to, I want you to understand that Jesus is telling this story not because it's a cool story, because he sees it as a problem. See, what you have to understand is that the, the gospel is not theology. It's a story of news that's intended to hit your heart. It's a perspective about the way you feel and what's going on in your life. God wants here, and here sometimes can get kind of gross. It got gross for this son. And the father said, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours, but we are to celebrate and be glad because your brother of yours was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Love always protects. There was a son that lost perspective with the right reasons, probably, but he lost perspective. Love always protects. Jesus would go on to tell other stories. I'm going to try to remind maybe some of you to that you may have heard. There was a story. uh, It wasn't Jesus that told the story, but it was the story of, of, of Jonah, right? Jonah was a righteous man, and God sent him on a mission. I want you to go preach the gospel, Jonah. Go and tell all these people, and Jonah refused. He found himself in the belly of a whale refusing to do what God wanted because he didn't want to tell the people of Nineveh of God's love. Because he didn't think the people of Nineveh deserved God's love. Because he didn't think that they were as good as him. And so he actually says to God, God, I didn't want to go to Nineveh because I knew that you were quick to forgive, to have mercy. You were, you were going to turn and give them a blessing. And I, I didn't want that to happen, God. I didn't want to show them love. God, but love always protects There's another story that Jesus would go on and say because of his perspective, another parable that he saw from heaven on earth and I believe it's still happening today and so did the parable of the men working in the vineyard. You know this story? He would send a whole bunch of guys at nine o'clock in the morning to go out and work, right? But back then they'd go out like six o'clock in the morning and uh, and he'd send them out to work all day long and he said, hey guys, you guys go to work and at the end of the day, I'm gonna pay you a fat hundred dollar bill. Well, They're working from 9 to 5. And uh, somewhere around noon, the the, the owner of the vineyard says, hey guys, I'm going to send some more people to work. And he sends them to work and and, and they work from noon to 5. Somewhere around 4.30, he calls together a couple other guys and says, hey, you want to go work? We need some work done. At the end of the day, all the guys line up to get paid. And he hands the guy that's been working from 9 to 5 a crisp $100 bill. Then the guy working from noon to 5 owner hands him a crisp hundred dollar bill the guy working from 4 30 to 5 he hands him a crisp 100 bill the guy working from 9 to 5 goes this is jacked up man what was all that crap why didn't i just come at noon why didn't i why did i have to go do all that work to only receive this and he says hey look i promised you this you're getting this why are you upset that i'm merciful why are you upset that I want to show grace and compassion to these folks? But it happens in your heart and in mine. God, it isn't fair. I could see what they have, and I could see what I don't have, and I want what. And God's, you have everything He promised you: salvation, healing, deliverance refuge, a whole heart, people in your life that love you, what is it that you're asking for? Because I would think that, hmm, let me show you another one, the Pharisee and the tax collector, Jesus is looking down at our prayers, and there's this righteous teacher of the law, and he's praying at this wall, and he's standing there, and he's praying, oh God, I'm so thankful. Oh, God, I'm thankful I'm not like this guy over here. He's a hot mess. God, I'm thankful in my life that I'm not like him anymore. And I got to tell you, I prayed that prayer. And that's a great prayer of mine. God, I'm thankful that I'm not like that anymore. I'm thankful that you've healed me, that I'm not where I used to be, that I'm, man, I'm cleaned up. I'm not on drugs anymore. I'm, I'm not as much of a hot mess as I used to be, right? And I, I, God, I'm thankful. Anyone else ever, ever prayed that kind of prayer? Like, God, and Jesus is saying, but he's looking down at the other guy standing next to him going, Oh, God, I need you in my life. I got to have you in my life. And he's going, one of these prayers is more righteous than the other. It's perspective. They're both right. Love always protects. Can you see how this hurts God the Father when we as the people of God somehow deserve more or have earned more or have figured out that we're better than the people that we're trying to reach. And we lose mission. The parable of the forgiven debt. The guy's been, comes in, he owes this king all kinds of money. And the guy says, hey, man, look, you don't owe me nothing. It's fine. He goes out and he realizes he's got a servant that owes him about 150 bucks. And he's like, you know what? You, want, you, you Listen, Jack, pay up. When the king hears out, I just forgave you and you can't. Whoa, we got a problem. So why can't you do for others what I've done for you? And we find in our hearts a problem where we have stopped protecting the world. We've stopped being kind. We've stopped being gracious. We've stopped loving the way that Christ loves. And I think to myself, God, why isn't there more people getting saved? Why aren't the churches being filled? Well, I do know why. Because I happen to have many friends that don't love God. And I listen to them talk about our opinions of them, about how we're right and they're wrong. Me and my wife, uh, she started watching this show. I really don't like it, but sometimes there's, it's nothing else on TV. It's called The Amazing Race. I feel like I know how it's all going to end. You know, the guy's... Uh, We've seen this anyways. On this show, they they walk around videotaping two people trying to get this destination before someone else. What they really like is when people really start fighting, and they put the camera on them. And it's really funny when people are fighting because if you could step out, they're both right, and they're both wrong at the same time. But we'll pick favorites, and sometimes... I'll disagree with her. Like, that guy is completely right. <laughs> did you hear what she said? And then it turns into a fight with me and my wife. Like, no, did you hear what he said? And then I'm like, oh, I know how this wins. <laughs> I, I, uh, you win. I, I'm, nope, not going there. Um, and what I realize is that many of us have been right, and we've been wrong in the way we've been right. Wow. Love protects It's the way that Jesus loves. He protects the individual. He's not trying to protect the religion, the denomination, the faith, or the church. He cares about the person because that's who he came to save. And some of us are right and wrong at the same time. And I think about people that don't want to come here people that I love. You have to know they're already convicted because of their lifestyle, but then when they're told that they're wrong and they're going to hell before they find out, that's not the gospel. That's not the news. That's not the story that that I want them to know. I want them to know of God's loving kindness, that there is no one that loves them like Him, and they can run as far as they can, but man, I'm telling you, they're going to run right back into Jesus because He cares for them. I think about people that have left the church, you know, Mariah Carey and some of these other big wigs, man. And, like, and they've, they start it. They learn their talents right on the worship stage. And someone told them, you can't do that. What's wrong with you? You can't wear that. What's wrong with you? And they didn't feel welcome. They were right or wrong at the same time. I want those people back in God's house. I was really nervous to preach this because I didn't want to say it. Found this verse in Matthew 23. And it's um Jesus, this chapter is called The Woes. <laughs> Eight Woes of Jesus. And he's talking to everyone who's super Christian. You know if you're super Christian. The teachers, the ones that know the word better than I'm saying it today. Jesus said this to you and to me. Woe to you, you teachers of the law and Pharisees. You're a hypocrite. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's face. You yourselves do not enter nor will you let those enter who are trying to. I'm um, gonna tell you a quick story about a guy who goes to church here. His name's Logan. He's a really ugly guy, super ugly. <laughs> oh, Logan, I'm sorry. Logan um, uh, played drums a couple minutes ago for us and uh, wicked good drummer, right? I mean, Logan um, wasn't raised in the church, Um, he was invited to a Bible study. As an atheist, he attended other people and wanted to watch on to hear. He was invited. And they told him, you can come as you are. And Logan thought it was a funny joke, and so he wanted to test them. So Logan would get hammered before he'd go to Bible study. We'll see where this works. Next week, he'd do Xanax at Bible study. He'd bring a six-pack of beer in to Bible study. And a lot of people, man, but no, if if people find out, they'll judge us, you know? Yeah, that's the kind of judgment we want to find. See, Logan found Jesus in a group of people that didn't ostracize him because he wasn't like them. There's an old saying, you got to catch a fish before you clean it. People aren't going to come here and believe and think like us. They may not smell like us. They may not dress like us. But if I understand the gospel, they're welcome. And there's a place for them. And some people have to belong before they'll believe. But we try so hard to be right and let them know what the gospel wants from them. Don't you see Romans chapter 2, verse 4? Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? This is the same God in Jonah. It's the same God in the New Testament. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? He's kind. I get on social media and I see the body of Christ putting people on blast because we are right and they are wrong politically, biblically. There is nothing that turns my stomach more than when Christians argue over scripture on the internet. You are never going to win any argument. There's no love involved in the conversation. You, you, it's really hard to type love. this is supposed to be attractive to the lost. There's a story where um, probably most stands out to me the loudest of uh, Jesus protecting, and you probably already know it. It's in John chapter eight, where the woman is caught in the act of adultery. I don't know who she was with. It could have been another woman. Current culture, this would really bother people. Let me show you. John... Chapter 8, verse 2, at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. He sat down to teach them and the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and the woman. Man, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I've, I'm literally trembling right now. I'm terrified to say this. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman that was caught in adultery, and they made her stand before the group. Can you imagine how terrified this woman is? terrified and Jesus, they said to Jesus teacher this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman now what do you say they were using these questions to trap in order to have the basis of accusing him but Jesus bent down and started writing in the ground with his finger awesome Bible study when they kept on questioning him he straightened up and he said to them let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her Again, he stooped, and at this, those who heard it began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Who has condemned you? No one, she said, neither do I condemn you, then Jesus answered, go and leave your life of sin. He didn't um, protect her actions. He didn't say that her actions were okay. Here's what I know. When you protect someone, they love you. There's a world throwing stones at a bunch of people right now. Politically, economically, all all different kinds of people. And when we join in to be right, you can be right. Right and wrong at the same time. There's a crowd of people standing around this woman that had done wrong, that were right, and wrong at the same time. Jesus defended this woman. He did not say that she was okay in doing what she did. He did not say that she can keep on doing it. But he embraced her. And I guarantee you, she loved him for it. love protects. Love protects. And I think what happens is sometimes, even in an argument with someone we love, we want to be right so much that we hurt the person that we love. We want them to understand how right we are. Our perspective is, I deserve, and you did wrong. And we get so forceful that we miss the whole point. The point is, love protects. I am. Um, when I came to know the Lord, some of you guys know my testimony, I, I, was, I did bad things. Um, I got saved when I was 18, and um, I had a world full of stuff. And um, what the church, um, Rach, would you come? Um, what the church, uh, they, they weren't upset about me and my girlfriend, and they weren't upset about my drug problem which I had a drug problem. I remember uh, my pastor used to tell stories about me like a year later, m- kind of teasing me because I would cuss when I talked to him, saying how awesome he was. Like, and um, he thought it was funny, uh, but they, they welcomed me. And uh, what I love is that at any moment in time they could have told me that I was out of line for getting high. At any moment in time they could have they they uh, told me how I was out of line for, the, for, for being with my girlfriend. And at any moment in time, they could have, but you know what's neat is that they they understood what God was doing in my life was was not even really trying to get the sin out, but trying to teach me how to love God. Here's Here's what I learned. The more that I encountered God, the more that I felt terrible living the life that I was living. Because the spirit of God inside of me that I became radically in love with would leave me when I did wrong. And I got tired of it leaving. It used to hurt, and it would grieve, and I'd get high or I'd drink, and I would feel like, man, I, am, I don't like this. I don't like feeling this way. Or some of us, are, we get angry, and we don't like being angry. And after a while, when you realize, when I get angry and God's not around, all of a sudden, I want God more than I want to be angry. And the Holy Spirit begins to work in certain things. But some of us play God, and we want to speed the process. I am not saying there's anything wrong with truth. In John chapter 1, verses 14, Jesus, this is what they said of Jesus. For the Word became flesh, and He made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the only one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Jesus is like the only perfect person in the world who had the ability to balance grace and truth. Here's what I want you to know. People that are full of grace, everyone loves them. They're nice. They're super generous. They forgive. They're kind. They're willing to eat last. They're willing to help others. People that are filled with truth, people admire them because they have integrity. They they, they walk with with an understanding of what is right and what is wrong. You need both people. I need people that are truth people in my life. We got to be careful, though, because we can be right and be wrong at the same time. Here's here's what I've learned. Please, Please hear me. Truth can damage people. The word of God is a sword. And sometimes that sword hurts. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Am I the only one? Like, I know this is a serious message, and like I don't put a lot of jokes in it today, and I'm sorry. But like, do you know anyone else that's been hurt by the gospel? Sometimes it's used wrong. And I want to make sure that if we're loving like Jesus, that we're putting people, we are, we are acting like Jesus and protecting the individual. And allowing them time to encounter love and the gospel. To stand back and watch and figure out, do they even want this in their life? I have more verses than what I thought, so I'm going (laughs) to, give me a second. For for the person who keeps the laws except the one, uh, for the person who keeps all of the laws except the one, is as guilty as the person who has broken all of the laws. Here's what you need to understand. You do one thing wrong, you broke the law. You do everything wrong, you broke the law. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery is also the same that said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you've still broken the law. It's the same God that says you can't be a glutton, that says you can't lust it's the same God that says you can't covet it's the same God that says you can't steal but I didn't steal but most of us covet if you got a Facebook account you have coveted something before I gotta tell you <laughs> and so we've all broken this law does this make sense for a second I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this to a close if, if you can Holy Spirit you want to say something today So, whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. For there will be no mercy to those who have not shown mercy to others. There will be no mercy to those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when He judges you. That's a weighty statement. That's not my words. The right word at the wrong time can still destroy someone. Uh, This last week, um, my son uh, got in trouble at school, and he's been getting in trouble like on a weekly basis. Uh, And it hurts him because he's a people pleaser. He loves pleasing people. And it was of no fault of anyone, so I'm not creating shame in telling the story. It's just the only story that I can think of that was so right because I saw a different perspective. He was getting in trouble every day at school because he's got a lot of energy, a lot of energy. He's kind of like his dad. And, um, and so he was getting in trouble, and um, they were writing him up. I'm sorry, Rachel, that you, uh, maybe you can just play, make, you know, create the atmosphere where people get the goosebumps and stuff. That's what churches do. I'm just kidding. This is not one of those stories. I'm just trying to make sure you understand that the right word at the wrong time can still destroy someone. They were writing him up every day. And uh, it got to the point where um, they, would, they would write him up and uh, he would literally just start crying, just start crying. And it was killing him because he knows when he comes home, he's gonna get in trouble. And I'd work with him, son, I love you. I know that you can do better. Uh, I, gotta, I gotta take your, your socks from you or your shoes. or I'm, just, I'm making something up, but he would get in trouble every day. And um, the one time they, they wrote him up and he started crying and uh, he was crying all the way to his next class and he got there and he couldn't emotionally pull himself together and so um, he said something stupid like all I ever do is get in trouble and they sent him to the principal's office. And, and at the principal's office, they had to call us and set up a conference for meeting with them and I had to meet with the principal and I was like, look, I'm not saying that he's doing things right. He's wrong. But what we're doing is not working it's not reaching him because you can obviously see, did he hurt anyone? Was he malicious? Was he, No, and so what happens is sometimes you can hurt someone with truth. Truth is, he's out of order. Truth is, he's trying to do everything he can to make it right. And the teachers saw him weeping even in the meeting and uh, th- this week, they, they all of us kind of rescheduled and I said, look, I'll discipline him when he's wrong, please help me. Let, help me figure out what to do with you guys, and let's work as a team. And they didn't realize that he was crying every day when he'd come home from school. Shame was growing inside of him, and he would start resenting going to school. It's the same way with church. When shame grows inside a person, they don't want to be here. This isn't. There's no condemnation to anyone who's in Christ. That's the message of Jesus. That like, I want you close to me says the Lord. Like this is... hmm. Here's the last verse I got for you. It's in 1 Peter 4, verse 7 and 8. I think this is super cool. The end of all things is near. Let that sink in. Therefore, be alert and be of sober mind so that you may pray. Verse 8. Above all things, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. This is your mission. Here's what I know some of us, right now in our own life, we're upset with our spouses. And you're right and you're wrong at the same time. Love protects. And what happens is when we get the wrong perspective of who they are, they become an enemy rather than a mission. Some of us, it's our coworkers. They lied, they stole your sale they took something and they got ahead of you and it is frustrating because they are out of order. But we've missed the, 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 the assignment in recognizing that we are here and they are in our life. Your job is not an accident. You have that job because the Spirit of God is inside of you and wants to use you to reach them. And the moment that you miss that, you've missed it. And now the enemy can change the way you treat that person as you ostracize them don't want to befriend them, don't want to display love to them. Their actions are wrong. But we've misplaced the mission in our life. Does that make sense? We do